book of Genesis, chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. And leave it there. This is our second message in the series, um, The Origin of Everything, Creation versus Evolution. And let's get right into it. I may need to have y'all change it because it's not, there we go. Okay, thank you. All right, let me read this quote to you. This is from a professor by the name of Richard Lewontin. He's no longer a professor uh, because he's retired. He's nearly 90 years old, but he is um, considered one of the forefront evolutionists. He was the professor of zoology and biology at Harvard University. Richard Lewontin said this concerning evolution. Our willingness to accept scientific claims that are against common sense is the key to an understanding of the real struggle between science and the supernatural. We take the side of science in spite of the patent absurdity of some of its constructs, in spite of its failures to fulfill many of its extravagant promises of health and life, in spite of the tolerance of the scientific community for unsubstantiated just-so stories because we have an a priori commitment, a commitment to materialism. It is not that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation. By the way, when you hear anything that is um, an explanation in science that is materialistic, you can put beside that atheistic. In other words, they're trying to explain it without God. They compel us to accept a material explanation of the phenomenal world. But on the contrary, that we are forced by our a priori adherence to the material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and a set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that materialism is absolute, for we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. So did you hear what he was saying there? What he's basically saying is no matter how much our theory concerning evolution goes against common sense, and that's what he said at the very beginning, even though it goes against common sense, what you see with your eyes, what you understand to be true, we cannot accept anything else because we will not allow what he calls a divine foot in the door. In other words... We have to explain this world without God. Even if all the evidence is pointing to God, we've got to explain it without God. And as I said before, that is being willingly ignorant or dumb on purpose. They are saying, well, no matter what I see with my eyes, I've got to explain it in a different way. The lies of evolution going to get into this. Some of y'all may have heard these in school. Some of y'all are in high school. Some of y'all are in college. Some of y'all may deal with people that um, are in college or high school. And um, here's some things that evolution say that are flat out lies. I already mentioned Neil deGrasse Tyson last week. I mentioned him and like to use him a lot because he's probably the most well-known atheist and evolutionist in America today. Very popular man. If some of y'all remember when they took Pluto away as being a planet, He's the one that led the charge in doing that. That might make you mad at him. That shouldn't be the reason why you're mad at him. You should be mad at him for the way he pushes evolution and atheism. This is what he says. The theory of evolution, like the theory of gravity, is a scientific fact. Now notice I had right before this, these are the lies. Do you realize there's a big difference between the theory of evolution and the theory of gravity? In fact, we don't really call it the theory of gravity, do we? There's another statement we call it. We call it the law of gravity. There's a big difference between those two theories, as he puts it. One of them is a fact, and one of them isn't. Let's look into that. The theory of gravity is a scientific law, while the theory of evolution is not. Let me explain to you what a scientific law is. In general, a scientific law is the description of an observed phenomenon. We can observe gravity. I'm not asking you how to explain it, 
But you've observed it, correct? Every time you jump, you experience gravity. Why? Because you are pulled right back down. You might not understand the mechanism of it, but you can observe it. Am I correct? Question, can you observe evolution? Absolutely not. In fact, evolution in its definition says it cannot be observable. That's the reason why they say it takes millions of years. You pick up a rock, and you look at a rock, turn it upside down and look on the bottom of it. There's no date stamped on it. When you get a rock in your hand, the only thing you know is what you have in your hand. And what do you have? A rock. It doesn't tell you how old it is. It doesn't necessarily tell you where it came from. It may have came from that area, or somebody could have picked it up a long time ago and dropped it off. You don't know. All you know is you have a rock. Evolution is not observable. It is not a scientific law. Theory of gravity is. In fact, let me explain to you what a fact is, okay, to a scientist. A fact can be this. It can describe a repeatable observation that all can agree on. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but let me just go ahead and say Evolution is not repeatable, and it is not observable. And not everybody agrees on it. When they tell you that every scientist in the world today believes in evolution, when they tell you that every scientist in America believes in evolution, they lie to you. There is a list already of over 2,000 scientists in America who have signed on saying they do not hold to the theory of evolution. Let's go a little bit further. It can also refer to something that is so well established that nobody in a community disagrees with it. Now that scientists may call that a fact, but that doesn't make it a fact. You know, a long time ago, the scientists of the world thought the world was flat. And everybody agreed on it. After all, walk outside, look, it looks flat out there, doesn't it? Just because everybody agrees on it, does it make it true? Does it really make it a fact? No, but even with evolution, not everybody agrees with evolution in a scientific community. Also, it can also refer to the truth or falsity of a proposition. Evolution cannot be proven true. It cannot be proven false. Every definition goes against the statement that evolution is a fact. Yet you will hear it over and over again. That evolution is a fact, like gravity is a fact. But they are two separate things. Let me show you. Why is it not observable? Evolutionists tell us that major evolutionary changes happen far too slowly or too rarely to be observable in the lifetime of human observers. They say evolution takes millions of years. A human being, if he's lucky, We'll live to be at the oldest 120 now. I think the oldest person in the world right now is 114, actually, right now. 114 compared to millions of years. It's not observable. Second, it's not repeatable. Even when evolutionary changes do occur, evolutionist Theodosius Dobzhansky tells us that they are by nature, listen to this, unique. What's the second word there? unrepeatable and irreversible. If you cannot repeat it, if evolution by nature is unrepeatable, then it cannot be repeatable. Notice that a scientific fact must be observable and repeatable. Evolutionists tell us it's not so. And then it is not a fact. Evolutionist Paul Ehrlich concedes that the theory of evolution is outside of empirical science. In other words, empirical science is what can be observed, what you can see, what you can prove. It's unprovable. It's unseeable. It's unobservable. It's not a fact. Yet they'll tell us that over and over again. Isn't that a good-looking thing? I'm going to show you three pictures here. What I want you to pay attention to is two things. Number one, this is supposed to be their, the artist's conception of Lucy. Anybody ever heard of Lucy in evolution? Lucy, the oldest human ancestor, uh, discovered by an archaeologist named Richard Leakey. We won't get into the discovery of Lucy, even though it is a fraud. Lucy is not a human being. It is a monkey. 
walked on, it was a, a knuckle dragger. It walked on, his, um, on its knuckles, just like a gorilla does. It's been proven to be that. Yet, they still push this Lucy idea of being an ancestor of human beings. Look at two things about this monkey, okay? I want you to notice the way it's posed. Doesn't it look like the way a person would pose for a picture? Look at him. He's looking up into the camera, kind of away from it. Posed like a human being, wouldn't you agree? Second thing, look at its eyes. Look at its eyes. What kind of eyes does it have? Anybody ever seen the eyes of an animal? Are the eyes of an animal like the eyes of a man? No, they're two different things, yet look at this. What did they give it? Let's look at another one. Here's another way of looking at them. See, this one's smiling for the camera. Look at its eyes again. Look at the way it's posed. Not posed like an animal, posed like a man. These things are done on purpose. One more time. Here's another one. Same thing, Lucy, another view of them. Her, whatever. See its eyes? What kind of eyes does it have? Person's eyes. Look how it's posed. Like a person. What they're doing here. Even though scientists, if you pin them down, will admit whatever that creature was, it did not have eyes like that. They still give them that. Do you want to know why? Because whether you realize it or not, subconsciously, they're putting the thought in your head that they are human, like us. Now let me just show you how this is wrong. Let's look at some real pictures of primates. There you go, a gorilla. Notice its eyes. Did they look like the eyes we just saw? Here's a orangutan. Not human eyes, wouldn't you agree? Look at one more, a chimpanzee. Doesn't have eyes like that. Why do they do that? Because they're trying, before you even realize it, to subconsciously give you the idea that you need to believe in evolution. That man that was not created by God. That man ascended from the monkeys. It is a higher form of primate. They're trying to already deceive you. We talked about it before with dinosaurs. If I were to ask you in this room, when did the dinosaurs live? Every kid in the room could immediately say these words millions and millions of years ago. It's the very first sentence in any book of dinosaurs. It's even in the children's books because they want to get the evolutionary theory already set in the minds of every one of us. And these are lies. We keep going. We'll see problems with evolution. Uh, we discussed some of these last week. I'm dealing a while with evolution because I want to destroy the idea that evolution is even a good theory. There are some huge problems with evolution. Here's just a few of them. Number one, asexual reproduction. Now what asexual reproduction is is how a single cell organism reproduces. Anybody ever saw that in science class? Remember those cells, what do they do? They divide. There's no male, there's no female. They have all the genetic material they need, they just reproduce into the exact same copy of the cell they had before. That's called asexual reproduction. Now evolution would say, what's the problem with that? Well, if life began, as they said, by some cosmic miracle, some lightning bolt, struck the organic soup in a primordial earth, and somehow all the proteins, all the genetic coding miraculously came together. Here's a question. Whatever life form that thing was, would that first life form been able to reproduce? Isn't it amazing that that thing would have already had the genetic material to know to split and form another one? Wouldn't you think that the very first one would not have been that complex to be able to reproduce itself, that it would have lived and it would have died. You know, they say the origin of life is a very, very, very rare thing. Man can't even create life. And in the most controlled environments, they don't know how in the world it happened. My question is, how many times did life form upon this earth before we finally got some single-cell creature 
that could um, reproduce itself. That's a big problem. Huge problem. Yet evolutionists don't offer an answer. They just assume it happened. Second, not only is asexual reproduction a problem, but sexual reproduction is a problem. In other words, one creature, whatever it was, reproduced, and from its asexual reproduction, it formed a girl. The question is, are we to assume that it also formed a boy? When that girl formed, it had its own way of, um, it had its own DNA for a girl. But the question is, would it have had the sexual organs or even the understanding of its own sexual organs to be able to reproduce with whatever boy ever came into existence? How does sexual reproduction evolve? How would the creature know? instinctually that it would have to reproduce in that fashion. After all, everything before it reproduced asexually. Evolution doesn't have an answer to that. Second, changing from single cell to multiple cell creatures. Why in the world would it have to have cells that work together? They don't have an answer for that. Animal migration. Think about this. Birds fly south in the winter and fly north in the summer. How did the birds get the instinct to do that? You know, some birds will fly thousands of miles from where they were hatched, and when it comes time to lay an egg again, will fly all the way back to the very exact spot it was born at. What puts it in a bird to be able to do that? How does instinct evolve? No one has an answer for it. Yet evolutionists just assume it happened. What about the evolution of an eye? You know, evolutionists always say the eye is proof of evolution. That is the biggest joke in the world. You know how they start off they, um, in the TV show Cosmos, Neil deGrasse Tyson talked about the very first creatures with eyes. They said about a billion years ago there were some single-celled creatures that formed some photosensitive cells on its body. And that was the origin of the eye. In fact, in its, uh, I wish I had the video to show you, but I don't. In the video that they were showing for this series on Fox, you know what they said? Let us show you what the very first creatures that had eyes saw. How in the world would they know that? How would they know what they were able to see? Yeah, they showed it as a fact. The problem with all of that is this. Let's say that a creature could evolve and mutate in some light-sensitive cells formed on its body. How would the creature know how to react to those cells? How would they know what was actually going on? How did the creature already have the nervous structure or whatever it was to know what reaction it was having on that part of its body? They don't answer that. They just say, we assume it happened. Well, that's not science, folks. That's not a fact. That's not even a very good theory. There's even other big problems. The evolution of a wing. You know, evolutionists have really tried to fight against one of the biggest arguments against evolution by creationists. It's always this. We always ask, where are the transitional fossils? You may have heard it this way. Where's the missing link? Darwin said, if evolution is true, even though right now in the 1800s we haven't seen it, but very soon we're going to start digging up these transitional fossils. And evolutionists get mad when you ask about where are the transitional fossils. Their new answer is this. You want a transitional fossil? Just look in the mirror, pal. You are a transitional creature. And they think that answers the question. It doesn't answer the question. When you look at me, I'm a bad example of it. But when you look at me... I'm a pretty perfect copy of what was intended to be a person. My eyesight's perfect. I can read back there. I can read that exit sign. I can read some of that map across the room. God gave me perfectly formed eyes. I can remember what I'm talking to you about right now. God gave me a perfectly formed brain. I can speak very clearly. God gave me a perfectly formed mouth. And when you respond, I can hear you clearly. 
because God gave me perfectly formed ears. Where are the malformed eyes? Has anybody ever met a person who didn't have good eyes? Their eyes didn't form right? Do you know what we call those people? Blind. So show me where the transitional species are of those people who did not have perfectly formed eyes. They would have been blind. They would not have been successful. And according to the theory of natural selection, survival of the fittest, they would have been killed off quickly. It wouldn't have been any good. Look at the wing. Why haven't we found any kind of creature that had a half-arm, half-wing structure on their body? How does that work? Can you imagine a bird having wings that couldn't fly besides a penguin? I'm talking about a bird like a, a robin or a crow trying to run about without the ability to fly. How long would it last? Not very long. Second, if it did have perfectly formed wings, who taught it how to fly? Who gave it the instinct to start flapping its wings? Who gave them the instinct that they could jump off a limb and not come crashing to the ground? Where does that come from? Evolution has no answer for it, yet they tell us this is the fact. And you are foolish for believing that a God could have perfectly formed every creature and made it the way it was supposed to be. We're the ones that are unscientific, yet they're using a lot of imagination in order to put their theory out. We've talked about creation a lot. Let me give, go through real quick just to help you understand the days of creation in Genesis 1. I know you're in Genesis 2 right now, but let's go through the days of creation that we find in Genesis 1. You can look at the pictures. Day 1, what was created? Earth, space, time, and life. They were all created on day one. Number two. Day two, atmosphere. God divided the firmament. Atmosphere was created on day two. Day three, God created dry land and plants. Pay attention to that right there. When did God create plants? What day? Day three. What did God create on day four? The sun, moon, and stars. Now, we're going to discredit it, but I'll go ahead and do it right quick. Notice that on day three, the Bible says God created plants, correct? Day four, God created the sun. Do plants live without sunlight? No, they do not, correct? Yet there are people who say that every day in creation wasn't a literal 24-hour day, but thousands, maybe millions of years. I got a question for you. If God created um, plants on day three and it was a 24-hour day, could a plant survive without sunlight for 24 hours? Yes. How many of y'all ever put a, a plant out of sunlight for a day? It's still alive the next day, correct? It can make 24 hours. I got a question for you. Is there any planet, plant on this earth that can survive a thousand years without sunlight? Is there any plant on earth that could survive a million years without sunlight? Couldn't survive a year without sunlight, wouldn't you agree? The day-age theory makes no sense according to what God says. The sun, moon, and stars were created on day four. Day five, sea and flying creatures. In other words, birds, bats, everything that flies. In the sea, fish, whales, all those creatures were created on day five. But pay attention to this right here. Evolutionists tell us that dinosaurs turned into birds. You want to see a dinosaur today? Guess what you got to look at? A bird. Makes perfect sense. A Tyrannosaurus rex shrunk down and turned into a robin. Makes perfect sense. Yet the Bible says that birds came before dinosaurs. They were already flying in the sky before the first dinosaur walked upon the earth. What came on day six? God created all the land animals and man. A good understanding of that will help you when we talk about these theories about um, how we can harmonize Genesis 1 with evolution. All of these are not biblical. The reason for it is they're trying to put what scientists say in harmony with what the Bible says. But here's my rule. The same thing that we hear in the book of Acts. Let God be true and every man a liar. 
God be true and every man a liar. If what man says contradicts what God says, God is smarter, God's been around a lot longer, He knows everything, we don't, we go with what God says. And we know He doesn't lie. The first idea is theistic evolution. In other words, God created the early creatures and they've been evolving for millions of years. What's the problem with that? Very simply put, it contradicts Genesis chapter number 2. Do you have your Bibles turned to Genesis 2? Let's see what the Bible says concerning that. In other words, God started creation and then allowed evolution to bring us to where we are today. Verse 1 of chapter 2. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. Notice that word there. What did it say? They were what? Finished. Now remember when Jesus died on the cross, what were His last words? It wasn't His last words. Father, into my, thy hands I commend my spirit were His last words. But His next to the last words were, It is finished. My question to you is this. When it comes to salvation, is there any work that we still need to do in order to receive salvation? No, the work is already done. It's been finished by Jesus. In creation, on the sixth day, when the sixth day ended, God saw all His work and it was what? Finished. There were no more creatures to come after it. He didn't create the dinosaurs and then expected birds to show up later. He didn't create monkeys and expect man to show up later. No. When He finished on the sixth day, there were no more creatures to be made. His work of creation was done. Theistic evolution does not work with the Bible. The day-age theory, you've already talked about this. If, it was a, if every day was a thousand years or every day was a million years, how in the world did the plant survive in the thousand years or millions of years before the sun was created. Another thing, flowers. Flowers were created on day three. Bees, according to the Bible, were created either on day five, if you consider them flying creatures, I consider them land creatures, they were created on day six. In other words, flowers existed millions of years before the bees that would ever pollinate their flowers. How does that work? It can't work. The day-age theory, theistic evolution, are both false. The gap theory. Why is the gap theory a bad idea? God created the world. There were some bad people in the original creation, so God judged it, destroyed it, and started all over. That's what they say happened between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. What's the problem with that? The Bible says in Romans chapter number 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and what came with sin? And death by sin. When did death come into this world? Through Adam. When Adam sinned, what came into the world? Death. Remember what God told Adam in the Garden of Eden? The day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely what? Die. When did death come? When Adam sinned. Yet what the gap theory says is, is that death and destruction and disease were already in the world before Adam sinned. That's a contradiction to what the Bible says. The Bible says, for in Adam all die. In Christ all shall be made alive. That's the teaching of Scripture. The gap theory contradicts the clear teaching of Scripture. The gap theory is wrong. Now let's look at Genesis 1 and evolution and see the contradictions. There's many more. We don't have time to go through all of them. I'm going to give you five contradictions to help you understand that Genesis and evolution does not mix. First contradiction. Evolution teaches that life as we now know it took millions and millions of years to evolve and reach its present form. But Genesis 1 teaches that God made everything in how many days? Six days. How do we know that? Exodus chapter number 20, verse 11, in the Ten Commandments, it explains it to us. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. 
You know, the six days of creation and the seventh day of rest is God's basis for the work week. That's how we're supposed to work. Work six days and rest one. Now, if every one of those days was a thousand years, it wouldn't fit. Wouldn't you agree? We're to work 6,000 years and rest 1,000 years? Can't work that way. They were six literal 24-hour days. Contradiction number two. Evolutionary scientists teach that evolution is still taking place today. That is, life forms are still in the process of evolving from what they are today to what they will be in the future. The Bible teaches that creation is not taking place today. It is something that was completed in the past. God finished his work of creation. We don't have to look at this. We've already read it. But the Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. Evolution, God's creation is not a continuing work. It is a finished work. There's no place for evolution in the Bible. Contradiction number three. Evolutionists teach that life began in the sea. But Genesis teaches that the first life, plant life, actually began on dry ground. There's a contradiction there. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself. Upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Now, we do have a little bit of time, so I want, to pay, want you to pay attention to something right here. Notice it says that the earth brought forth grass, and notice, and herb yielding seed after his what? Kind. Here's another thing that evolutionists will attack Christians on. And so because they do not understand what Christians are talking about. Next week we're going to talk about the flood. I haven't really dealt with the mechanisms of how we know that this earth is not millions of years old. How we can account for all the millions of fossils, all the coal beds, all those things. How do we account for them if this earth is only less than 10,000 years old? Well, how we account for it is the flood. We'll talk about that next week. But one of the attacks on creation and the flood is this. They say that, how did you get every animal on the ark? God said two of every kind. You realize how many species of animals there are? Millions of species. You cannot put all the species of animals on the ark. Well, not every animal had to go on the ark. All the fish didn't have to go on the ark. They're better in the water than on a dry boat, wouldn't you agree? They're going to die. So you take out all the sea and water-dwelling creatures, you can take them off the bat. Next, the Bible said, only the animals that had the breath of life in its nostrils. That excludes all the bugs. You realize that bugs don't have noses? They don't breathe through the nose. They breathe through their skin. Did you know that? And the amazing thing is, after a flood, if you see a little flood going around somewhere, one of the first things you'll find after the flood are bu 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 bugs flying everywhere. Bugs don't have to be on the ark to survive. And it wouldn't be a good idea to put termites on a wooden boat. Just let you think about that for a minute. All right. But what the Bible does say is, it's after their kind. Do you realize how many species of dogs there are? Chihuahua is a species. Do you realize that of a dog? Great Dane is a species of a dog. A wolf is a species of a dog. A fox is a species of a dog. A dingo is a species of a dog. But they are all what? Dogs. The Bible didn't say two of every species. It said what? Two of every kind. And it is very easy for two dogs riding on Noah's ark, coming off that ark, to produce every different kind of species of dog we see today. If you think that's ridiculous that that could have been done in 4,400 years, let me tell you this first. In the past 500 years, half the species of dogs we know of today came into existence. Only in the past 500 years. You're telling me the other half couldn't have been formed in 4,000 years? It's after their kind. You know, he didn't put two of every tiger, by the way, 
two of every bobcat, two of every lion, two of every puma, two of every cougar, and two of every house cat on the ark. He put two cats. It probably didn't look like a lion, and it probably didn't look like a house cat. It looked like something in between. They came off the ark with all the genetic material and coding to create every creature. You realize you don't find tigers in North America. They used to be saber-toothed tigers. They all adapted to where they needed to be. When, they, when the cats went down to the savanna regions of, of Africa, they found that they would adapt better if they took the form of a lion. To the jungles of India, they adapted to the form of a tiger. In Egypt, they adapted to the form of the domestic house cat we know of today. They just adapted. But in every house cat is the same genes that are sitting in the lion. They are all the same kind. That's what God is talking about here. Don't let evolutionists trick you by saying, how, do they, how does that work with all the species we have? We're not talking about species. We're talking about kind. All the species of dogs are still dogs. And a wolf can mate with a Great Dane with no problem. They're the same kind of creature. By the way, the zebra, the donkey, and the horse can all mate. You mate a donkey and a horse, what do you get? You get a mule. They are of the same kind. We're not talking about species in the Bible. We're talking about kind. Let's move on to what we're talking about now. Contradiction four. Evolution teaches that dinosaurs existed millions of years before man became extinct, uh, man, and became extinct long before man had evolved from ape-like ancestors. So the Bible teaches that man and land dinosaurs were both created on the same day, day six, and thus man and dinosaurs were contemporaries. Some people say, were dinosaurs on the ark? You know what the answer to that is? Yes, they were on the ark. Some of y'all may think, how'd you get a big old dinosaur on the ark? Would it even fit through the door? I mean, think about it, a, a brachiosaurus, one of those big, long-necked dinosaurs. How are you going to get it through the door, the Bible said, was cut into the ark? Here's the thing. Big dinosaurs were big, and little dinosaurs were little. They ain't going to put the biggest, oldest dinosaur on the ark. They're going to get a young one. Why? Because they want it to come off the ark and produce a lot of baby dinosaurs in its lifetime. So do you want to get an old dinosaur that's full grown, or do you want to get a young one? Do you realize that from even the Brachiosaurus, one of the longest dinosaurs that ever lived, some of those dinosaurs were 90 feet long, the Tyrannosaurus rex, the Velociraptors, and all those different creatures, do you know how big the biggest dinosaur egg was? The biggest dinosaur egg was merely the size of a football. In other words, all those big dinosaurs at one time, pretty small. And those small dinosaurs could have fit on the ark very easily. But a lot of people are afraid of dinosaurs. They think dinosaurs disprove evolution. I have a dinosaur tooth actually right here. This is a real dinosaur tooth. And um, a lot of people are afraid of them, but I love dinosaurs. They're one of my favorite things when I was a kid. I knew of people growing up who didn't allow their kids to play with dinosaurs. They believed, actually, because they couldn't explain dinosaurs, that people were going out in the desert and carving the bones out of rock, that dinosaurs were all made up. They weren't real things. They just didn't know how to explain it. They were afraid of it. Kids, don't play with them. Don't mess with them. There's nothing wrong with dinosaurs. Dinosaurs fit into the Bible. And you know what? Dinosaurs aren't millions of years old. Science has already found the evidence of that. They just don't want to admit it. Can I show you the evidence that proves that dinosaurs cannot be millions of years old? Not from the Bible, not from some history book. Let's just look at the science itself. Look at these pictures. You see these two pictures here? About 10 years ago, there were some scientists digging in Montana, and they dug up a Tyrannosaurus rex fossilized skeleton. And they decided they wanted to do some experiments on it. They decided to cut into the bone. Now, do you understand what a fossil is? Understand this. A fossil is organic tissue that is turned into stone. It doesn't have to be bone. Sometimes soft tissue can be fossilized. Do you realize that they have found, of all things, fossilized jellyfish? Jellyfish. There's no bones in a jellyfish. They found fossilized jellyfish. 
It does not have to be bone that turns into a fossil, yet mostly it is bone. They find this fossilized skeleton. Should be a complete bone after millions of years. They cut into it to do some examinations. They look at it through the microscope, and the first thing they see is this, this picture right here. They thought, what in the world is this? So they put it in a solution of water, and they began to take it out and began to try to, to cut it in half, and as they began to try to pull it apart, you know what it started to do? It started to stretch. It wasn't a fossil. It was soft tissue. This is a dinosaur bone that is not fossilized. It is soft tissue. The scientists saw this and said, this can't be true, it must have been a mistake, because after all, we know that the dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago. So let's do a test again. We must have made a mistake. They re-examined the bone with another section of it, and the bone did the exact same thing. There was no denying this was a soft tissue bone of a Tyrannosaurus. Now, that sounds crazy because of what you've been taught. It's going to get crazier. They examined some more bones. They thought it's the only one like it. They took bones that they already had in their collection. Here are some scans, I believe, of a Triceratops bone here. Notice what you see. You're seeing blood vessels. Blood vessels. And you see the little dots in the blood vessels right here and here and here and here. They're red. You know what those are? Those are blood cells. Not fossilized, blood cells from a dinosaur. The scientists, they said, we don't know how to explain this. You see, soft tissue, from all the examinations they can do, they say at the most, if you freeze it and it's kept in a frozen state, scientists say the longest that a soft tissue can stay in existence is 100,000 years. You know, how many of y'all have ever watched a crime show like CSI or something like that where they're investigating? You know, they find the blood laying there and they examine it, they figure out what it is. You know, the thing about what you see on TV and what you see in the real world are two different things. Cops can't work the way they do on CSI. You put blood out in nature for a period of time and come back, you're not going to get DNA, you're not going to get nothing out of it. It degrades incredibly fast. I'm going to tell you right now, maybe a bone possibly could last 100,000 years. Blood vessels and blood cells aren't going to make it nearly as long. And they say, here's the incredible thing. We have no idea how these bones and how this soft tissue could have lasted millions of years. They know the truth, yet they ignore it because they are willingly ignorant. In other words, they are dumb on purpose. Remember how that professor from Harvard said at the very beginning, we're going to hold to evolution no matter how much it speaks against common sense. We're going to hold evolution. Hey, don't let dinosaurs scare you. The next time your teacher tells you that dinosaurs lived millions of years ago, ask him how does he explain that. It doesn't work. See, everybody hears a million years. It's just like in politics. I'm not going to push a Republican or Democrat on you. Don't worry about that, okay? Every party has its own problems, all right? Vote Christian, okay? Don't be so attached to a party where you let Jesus just fall out of the way, okay? Vote Christian. That'll help you in who you're choosing, by the way. It may stick to one party. I'm not saying it won't, but it'll help you in how you choose. But, you know, politicians, they have a way of making things go right over your head. You know, they're talking about the wall. We're gonna, we just need $5 billion. It's not a big deal. You see, we spend trillions anyways. You know, they talk about a trillion dollars. You have no idea of how to conceive what a trillion dollars is. You realize a trillion dollars, would, if you stack $1 bills, one on top of the other, just flat, a trillion dollars would go all the way to the moon. Did you know that? There's no way you can conceive how much a trillion dollars is, yet they talk about it like it's nothing. Same thing with millions of years. You don't understand how long a million years is. There's no way soft tissue could exist for a million years. It's too long. But scientists will not admit the facts that are in front of their face. 
Contradiction five. Evolutionists teach that certain ape-like creatures came along thousands or even millions of years before man. They believe that these ape-like creatures were man's ancestors and that we evolved from apes. That's not what the Bible teaches. The gap between apes and man is at the most a few hours because apes and man were both created on the same day. Men did not come from apes. Men and apes both came from the creative hand of God. Here's the one other thing, by the way, that evolution teaches that you need to make sure you don't get this into your kids' minds. Human beings, every one of you in this room, you are not animals. Let me say that again. None of you in this room are an animal. We were not created with the animals. We were created on the same day as the land animals, but we were created separately from the animals. The Bible says God just created all the land animals. Then he stops and he says, and God said, let us make, not monkeys, not apes, let us make man in our image. And the Bible says that God just didn't simply make them or speak them into existence. He said, and God formed man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. It is a special, separate creation from animal life. There is no one in this room who's an animal. Yet evolution teaches that we're all animals. And you don't think that has an effect on kids? Kids are sleeping around now more than they were in the 1960s when you still had prayer and God in schools. You know why? Because they say they're no better than a dog. Why are we surprised when they act like dogs? They say we're monkeys. Why are we not surprised when they act like monkeys? Going around killing people. No, no respect. No respect for even themselves. Because all we are are animals, correct? That is not what the Bible teaches. We are created in the image of God. We are not animals. We are men. Contradiction six. Evolutionists teach that flowering plant life is impossible without insects. Because pollination requires insects such as bees. Without such insects, such plant reproduction would be impossible, and the plants could not survive. Genesis 1 teaches that plants existed three days before insects were created. Plants were made on day three, and insects, creeping things, were created on day six. If each one were formed millions of years apart from each other, how did flowers exist without the ability to pollinate? Evolution just doesn't make sense, friends. It's not even a good theory. It certainly is not a fact. What we need to do is just get back into trusting what the Bible says. Now, there are some people who say this as well, and I didn't mention this with theistic evolution things. There are some liberals who say this. Evolution's true. But God understood that primitive man could not understand. I mean, after all, people living in Moses' day didn't understand what, a, what a nuclear, uh, an atom was or understand genetics or anything like that. How could God explain evolution to someone that lived back in Moses' day? So what did he tell Moses? The myth of six days creation. The myth of Noah's Ark. And they said the only reason why God did that was because he knew that man could never understand how we actually came into existence through evolution. And this is a very popular idea. Some of y'all listen to conservative speakers. One of them is by the name of Ben Shapiro. Some of y'all may have heard that name. Ben Shapiro talks about that. He believes that's how God did it, because man couldn't understand evolution. That's how evolution and creation fit together. What's the problem with that? Number one, that makes God a liar. Even if we couldn't understand it, if God was to tell us that he created it in one way which he did not, whether we could understand it or not, that makes God a liar. Hey, it makes Jesus a liar as well. Because the Bible says in the original creation, God made male and female when he was explaining how marriage worked. That makes Jesus a liar as well. Hey, that's not an excuse. It's just they can't understand it. And why did that ever stop God in the first place? Aren't there things that God explains in the Bible that a man on their own can't conceive? After all, you explain to me the Trinity. 
Is that something that we can wrap our brains about? Yet is that not taught in the pages of Scripture that God is three persons, one essence, one substance, three persons, one being? How do you explain that? That's something that minds cannot conceive. That comes from special revelation from God. God didn't have a problem explaining that to us. Why would he have a problem explaining evolution? But if you believe that, what you're saying, in effect, is God's a liar. Because God didn't think too much of us. The Bible says God cannot lie. That's not the truth. And that closes it. Now, I spent the first two days ripping into evolution. Because this is what everybody hears. Next week, I'm going to give you the basis for it. Because every evolutionist will say this. You know what? You point out all the flaws and all the problems with evolution. And maybe we agree with you that there are some problems with evolution. But your idea that God created everything, your idea that there was a worldwide flood, is a bunch of baloney. There's no evidence for it. Well, we're going to talk about that. What I'm going to show you next week is evidence you can see with your eyes that God created this world not millions of years ago, but thousands of years ago. That one time, this entire planet was covered with water. We're going to talk about that next week. And yes, Noah did build a boat. By the way, one more thing. I don't think I talk about this in the next one, so I'll mention it since we got just a few minutes. You know, about this wooden boat thing, it used to be that they would always say, the wooden boat was an impossible thing to build. You cannot build a wooden boat that's 450 feet long. It is impossible. The boat could not support itself. It would collapse. Wood cannot support something that big. You know, they've quit saying that ever since they built that ark in Kentucky. You know who they had build it, by the way? The Amish. The Amish didn't use power tools. You know, the Amish used saws, hand saws, hammers, <laughs> you know, simple tools, hand tools. And they built that boat. The Amish did. Largest wooden structure on the planet is that ark. They quit saying you can't build something that big anymore. You know what? Once again, the Bible's proven to be true. You can build something that big. I hope this has helped you in your confidence with the Bible. Don't let somebody come and tell you that the Bible's wrong because of evolution. Evolution is a bad theory. It is not a fact. It is not scientific. And it's not something you have to follow. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Brother Randy.